0: the Mystery History Podcast. I'm Allison. I'm Rachel. Welcome to episode 108 on the Delphi murders, which I'm super not excited about.
1: I'm not either.
0: This looks terrible.
1: You already know about this, don't you?
0: I mean, a little bit, but not. I'm looking at some of these pictures in these notes, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to handle it.
1: It's just sad. I mean, it's a sad situation because it's still unresolved it's fresh
0: right like unsolved. i mean it's solved
1: 2017 yeah but they get new like there's new evidence that came out in 2019 and you know there's new stuff coming out all the time still very much open a very much open case but it's just it's it's very sad hits too close to home yeah. all of those things yeah more recent all of that
0: well and it's, it's a downer kids. one.
1: Yeah. It is kids, yeah, which is always worse.
0: <laughs> yeah. So if kids are your trigger
1: do maybe not not, not this episode, yeah.
0: Yeah, try Escape another one.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, real quick, we've got just a few things to talk about in business, not a whole lot. Uh like share subscribe. Yep. Tell the people of the world.
1: Yeah, everybody you know literally Probably. yeah
0: your grandma your grandpa they might get down with mystery history podcast shouldn't you they just first might... you got to tell them what a podcast is first though
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes start them out on the right foot
0: <laughs> and then you can build them up to uh, true crime that's right we also have our patreon two dollar and a five dollar tier always available If you join either of those, we will send you a love note and some stickers. That's right. And yeah, you also get a discount code to some merch that we have. We've got some pretty cool tank tops out there with the true crime till I die bathtub skeleton dude. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Those are, that's my favorite. I still just
1: really, I really like my hoodie that just says mystery history on it.
0: Yeah. I like it too. Plain Jane, you know? Plain
1: Jane. It's a good one.
0: It does. It tells people exactly what they need to do.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Listen to us. It doesn't
1: say that actually.
0: Well, it gives you, it's a good (laughs) conversation piece.
1: There you go. (laughs) So you can
0: throw that in there,
1: listen (laughs) to,
0: and then point to your chest.
1: In hindsight, we probably should have put podcast on it. People just know us. That's right. <laughs> every Everyone just knows.
0: They do. <laughs> and then the last little bit where you're getting scarily close to our six hour investigation of Waverly Hills Sanatorium.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm so really scared.
0: I'm so scared. Are you? Yeah, a little bit. Like it's got the bubble guts going. Like I don't like it.
1: It'll be fine. We're going to have so much fun. It will be. It's on
0: August 27th. It's 90 bucks per person. It's public. So I can't guarantee slots or anything like that. You just go on to bright uh, event, com, and then select the 27th and you can come do an investigation with us. It's going to be so much fun.
1: It is. We are not professionals.
0: Never in anything,
1: say in anything. I true. feel like
0: we're not professional, but Probably this is going to be crazy. And you want to yeah. be there. You do. And we want you to be there. We do. <laughs> so that's all I have for business. Do you have anything for business?
1: I don't think so.
0: I mean, it's been a minute since we've dropped a, a new episode.
1: I know. We haven't recorded in a while. We did a Patreon yeah. recently.
0: Yeah. We've had life get in our way of things. Some vacations and... Things so, um, yeah,
1: but we haven't back. been
0: able to, yeah, we're back. We're on a regular schedule now. You'll be getting episodes weekly. We never did anything different with our Patreon, so those will still be coming out Fridays. So yep. we're back. So All we appreciate, yeah, we appreciate you guys hanging with us through that.
1: I do actually have an update mm. somebody blew up the Georgia Guidestones. What, yeah. Why? Um, I don't know. Because I didn't read about it, but I saw it and they ended up having to demolish them. So somebody blew them up and then they had to demolish them. And they have video evidence of a suspect. Um, what
0: did we just when did we talk about the Georgia guidestones? That was, it was
1: on the Patreon episode, right?
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm wow that is terrible people yeah. are dumb like so that happened. ruin happened
1: i don't know if you don't like something just whatever leave it alone right
0: yeah and wasn't it just like it was those it was a group of guys that created the guidestones yeah, but and it was it, kind of like aloof like nobody really knew who w- had built these things but it had to do with like what do you call it
1: other there was like a bunch of other languages and things on it right yeah and it
0: had to do with religion like some sort of religious connotation to it
1: conservative christians criticized it as satanic
0: which they do on everything
1: so maybe it was you know a very conservative christian that didn't like it that blew it up i mean who knows honestly but you can get in so much trouble for something like that if you don't feel really strongly about it.
0: <laughs> and you could hurt people. I mean, yeah, I not don't know if anybody to. would be
1: around there at that time. But yeah, it was uh like four in the morning.
0: Yeah. Wow. Well, that's but- nuts. Yeah, that we did do a Patreon on just the Georgia Guidestones and it was episode 62 So if you want to join our Patreon
1: can listen about, you can listen
0: and then you'll know that they blew up
1: crazy. Yeah, And then too, I found out that the DNA evidence that I've been waiting so patiently for, for starved rock is expected in late July.
0: They keep pushing it.
1: They do. And if they do it one more time, (laughs) I'm going to be really (laughs) upset. (laughs) Yeah, or I'm gonna we stop need to stop caring. Know. I'm at the point now where I just need to let it go.
0: Because <laughs> we need to know if we really felt bad for a reason for that old fella or if he really did all of this because we've got some things to sort out in yeah. our psyche.
1: But I was expecting the results out in what, like March
0: or yeah, February? I, mean, I think yeah. it was
1: February. I don't have this kind of attention span.
0: <laughs> right. Well, and if you want to know, if you want to know more about Starved Rock, that's a regular episode 94 where we talk about that. That was a really interesting episode. I thought it's a really crazy case.
1: It really is. Yeah. I think that it drew me in from watching a documentary. And yeah. Then-
0: and Rachel obviously has been very much invested in this and will give us an update as soon as they release these results sometime soon hopefully
1: i got my eyes on the prize over here i don't cry about just anything jk i do i do actually but i want to know if i cried over somebody that murdered a bunch of people or not
0: oh and if he didn't do it which i hope he didn't that also brings a whole other slew of issues
1: yeah i feel so bad it's awful yeah A crazy story.
0: Okay. Well, you want to get on this this crazy story? Sure. Okay. Why don't you go ahead and start us off?
1: All right. So we're going to start off um, with a timeline of the day leading up to these girls' disappearance and just kind of go from there. So on Sunday, February 12th, 2017, Liberty, Liberty German, who was 14 years old and Abigail Williams decided to have a sleepover at Liberty's house, knowing that they didn't have school the next day. Um, they were staying at Liberty's grandparents' house. There wasn't any school on Monday because of snow days that were built into the school schedule, but the winter that year was really mild. Um, so they just had extra days off after, after winter. I know. I don't remember that ever happening. We just had school. Yeah, like extra days of school.
0: I remember having to make up school at the end of the year because we used too many snow days.
1: That's what that's what happened to us. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um. So the girls do typical sleepover stuff, and Liberty's older sister Kelsey joins in. Kelsey said they all had a movie night and ate pizza. Aberde Aberde. Wow. <laughs> Abigail called Abby and Liberty called Libby. They stay up really late they paint a sign that says chocolate and take videos of each other just being goofy. So they had a real nice night, sleeping over, having fun. And
0: this is in 2017. So this is like the internet is relevant. Not too Mm -hmm. long ago. TikTok, not probably TikTok, Snapchat, whatever the kids are doing these days, they're doing it right. On Monday, February 13th, 2017, around 10 a.m., The girls sleep in because they'd been staying up late. Libby's father, Derek, makes them pancakes for breakfast, and he leaves to go take photos for Becky's business. Libby's grandmother, Becky, makes a deal with the girls. She says if the girls help with her filing work, she'll give them some spending money, and maybe later on that day she'll take them to go shopping uh, to spend that money that they earned. And the girls happily helped with Becky's filing. So that's a good deal.
1: Yeah, around noon, a suspicious vehicle is parked at the abandoned CPS DCS building on the east side of County Road 300 north next to the Hoosier Heartland Highway. So these, this is all taking place in Delphi, Indiana, I guess we should say. And um, this was just a sp- suspicious vehicle parked at an abandoned building and they noticed it somebody noticed it around noon that day. Okay. At 1 PM, the girls ask Liberty's grandmother, Becky, if they could go to the Monin. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but that's how we're going to, how I'm going to say it. High bridge trail. Becky says yes, but only if they're able to arrange for a ride there and a ride back. Remember those days
0: that was stressful.
1: It was (laughs)
0: It was typically one of our parents and they only was were going to do one way. They weren't going right. to do both.
1: <laughs> That's right. The trails considered to be a hangout for local teens their age. The girls were familiar with the bridge and Libby would often visit the trail with her older sister, Kelsey, that we mentioned earlier to take photos. The girls then asked Liberty's older sister, Kelsey, to drive them. That would have been nice right. to have around. Kelsey says she can drive them there, but she cannot drive them back because she had plans to go to a friend's house. And then she had work Liberty called and asked her dad, Derek, if he could give them a ride back from the trail. Since Kelsey was unavailable, Derek agrees to be the ride back. Um, he said he would pick them up once he was done taking photos for Becky's appraisal business. So he's out taking pictures of houses. Okay. Okay. Um, he estimated that he would be done with his photography work in Frankfurt in two hours. So again, this is one o'clock. There was not a set time for the girls to return to the meeting point. Uh, the plan was that Derek would call or text them and while he was driving there. So when he was getting close, he would call or text them so they could return to the trailhead to be picked up. The approximate time of when they might expect him to be there would be between three and three thirty.
0: Okay, so around 1.30 p.m. about, Kelsey picks up the girls to take them to the bridge. At 1.38, phone records indicate that Kelsey's boyfriend calls her, and Kelsey remembers already being on the phone with him when she dropped the girls off, meaning that the drop-off could not have been any earlier than 1.38 p.m. Kelsey drops them off at the entrance at the High Bridge Trail that's across from the Mears Farm, an unofficial parking area. They were not dropped off at the Freedom Bridge parking area. Kelsey watches the girls walk until they got onto the trail, but she didn't notice anything unusual at the parking area before driving off.
1: So this trail that they're going to, it's kind of like one of our metro parks sort of that we have in this area. So there's trails that go off from into different directions. So there's this Mon and High Bridge trail. There's a Freedom something trail and then another little trail and they all kind of go off in different directions. Mm-hmm. So they were dropped off kind of in this middle spot where the trails branch out. Okay. I'm just saying that for relativity <laughs> in this. So that was about um a little bit after 138, right? Mm-hmm. At 205, Liberty uploads a Snapchat picture of the bridge okay. so they had set off and gone down the modern bridge trail they know that for sure because of this snapchat um, picture at 207 libby uploads a picture of abby walking on the bridge to snapchat both of these snapchats were posted directly to libby's story meaning it was a post that was viewable by anyone of libby's added friends on snapchat in case anybody doesn't know how snapchat works which i would be one of those people <laughs>
0: Yeah. That's a little, uh, after our time, I guess it's very hard to figure out all these apps.
1: Yeah. My niece who is 13 takes all these pictures when she's over here and I do have a Snapchat, but I don't like, I don't have the app on my phone or anything. Mm -hmm. Um, so she'll send me pictures and I'll have to get back, like load the app, get on there, save the pictures. (laughs) like, can you please just text me? <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't want to have to do this. But anyway, so back to the story. They're both on her main story. So anyone can see them. Um, that is friends with her on Snapchat. And this bridge. That's we'll about Yeah. We'll talk about it later um, in the notes, but it is a like old railway kind of bridge and it is high and it is long and it looks decrepit and it's over a river.
0: Yeah. It looks like the bridge in stand by me, like the, the um, railroad tracks is what it reminds me
1: of. (laughs) I would be very hesitant to get on that bridge. And this (laughs) uh, this is a bridge that
0: people like, this is a trail.
1: It's, right? an un, it's an unofficial like trail. And so it isn't like, it isn't actually a Metro park kind of situation. It is an unofficial trail. So people use that, those trails Across. and it's part of those trails, but it's not like maintained by the city or anything like that. That's it terrifying. Does not look safe.
0: There is no <laughs> rails. Like I would there is no be rails. standing in the middle and I would fall off the side, guaranteed.
1: And the wood, like if you look at yeah. the wood slats, like you could break an ankle or, oh, yeah. I mean, I don't think you can fall through them, but you know, an animal could.
0: <laughs> I don't know. There, I would be so pissed if, if my child was on this bridge.
1: Yeah. It looks hmm. like, I mean, it's one of those things where if something bad happens while you're out on it, like you're screwed. There's nowhere to go. Yeah. yeah. It's just weird looking. Now no trains are gonna go on it because that's not what it's used for at yeah. this point, but it just doesn't look safe. No. We're too mom. We are <laughs> right like now. she's even a little over too to, close the to the side. the edge. Too she needs to be more the in the, the middle. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Um, at an unknown time. So so in this timeline, there are some unknowns, but we do know between what time these things happened. So between 2.07 when Libby uploaded the picture of Abby and between 3.11, um, so sometime in here, Liberty starts taking a video on her cell phone. Police say the girls mostly talk about stuff girls talk about quote unquote in the video, but later the girls mention a man they notice behind them on the bridge. Ugh. Sheriff, yeah. Sheriff Leezenby said it appears the girls initially took pictures for fun but later became uncomfortable and recorded the video as a precaution. So that's just what it seemed like. Mm-hmm. In the released video, it is believed that Libby's perspective is from the southeastern side of the bridge, so this is after crossing the bridge, looking backwards toward the northwestern side of the bridge. It has been theorized that the offender maybe pulled a weapon or found a way to make the girls comply with his order because they're at the end of the bridge. At this point, there's trail around
0: and Mm -hmm. there's two of
1: them. Uh, According to an audio snippet from Libby's video recording, at some point, the offender said to them, guys, and down the hill. The path the girls and the offender took after leaving the bridge is unknown in between the southeastern end of the bridge and the body disposal location. There's a shallow section of Creek and the shallow, shallow section varies between ankle to knee deep and can be waded through. Oh, wow. So at some point she starts taking video of some guy That's that terrifying. is behind them they are alone out on these trails. Um, and yeah, he orders them to get off of the trail and there's more unreleased video that was taken. She put the phone in her pocket. So it's just audio recording. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But you can hear what's going on and they only released sections. Um, to where you can hear him. So again, it's just guys and down the hill, you can hear his voice. And I think that there was hope that people would recognize this person's voice, voice, Mm -hmm. but they didn't want to release too much of what they had.
0: Yeah. All right. 3 11 PM. Libby's grandmother, Becky has said call records show that Derek called Libby at 3 11 Intending to tell them that he was getting close by and they should should start heading back to be picked up, but nobody answers the call. At 3:14, Derek pulls into the parking area, but he doesn't see the girls. He calls Liberty's phone, but no one picks up. Derek knows it's not like Liberty to ignore his texts and phone calls, especially whenever she's expecting him to call and let him know that they're there. He parks his car and he begins walking to the trail uh, to search for the girls. At around 3.15 about, Derek reaches the point where the trail intersects and he stops a man dressed in a flannel shirt who's approaching the intersection coming from the 501 trail. He asks Which is the,
1: the Monon High Bridge Trail.
0: Okay. So he asks the man... Did you see two, did you happen to see two girls up there? And the man said, no, I did not. But there's a couple on the bridge.
1: Like a man and a woman couple.
0: Right. This man with a flannel shirt later becomes a key witness in this case. And he is among the first to give a witness account to law enforcement. Online discussion outlets have nicknamed him flannel shirt guy or FSG. Because Flannel Shirt Guy did not see the girls on the 501 trail, Derek starts walking the other trail that leads directly to the creek edge called the 505 trail.
1: And this is a short loop trail that goes around um, in a little circle, but 501 is the Monin High Bridge Trail. So at this point, 315, we know that there were multiple people on on that trail. At 3.30 Derek does not see the girls on the 505 trail so a 15 minute walk he took in that little loop. He returns back up to the trail intersection. He calls his mother Becky and tells her about not being able to contact um, or find the girls. Derek asks Becky to try contacting them. Tara Libby's aunt was with Becky at the time, and both Becky and Tara start repeatedly calling and texting Libby, but they receive no response
0: what a gut drop. I know. At first you're probably pissed. Like,
1: damn it, girls Where are these girls. Yeah. And
0: then after that, it's like, okay, they're connected to their phones all the time. Why are they not answering? Like that would just be the absolute worst.
1: Mm -hmm. We're really in like the day and age where if you don't answer your phone right away,
0: something's wrong.
1: Something bad has happened. Yeah. Yeah. That is our first, our first thought um, on, on that. At that point from the trail intersection, Derek walks down the trail leading to the freedom bridge. So this is in the opposite direction of the modern high bridge trail. After not seeing the girls there, he turns around and heads back to the intersection, passing flannel shirt guy along his way back. Okay. At about 4 p.m., Derek returns to his car. So he's been searching for a half an hour at this point. He's walked two of the trails. On the other trail, a person coming from that trail said they did not see them. Right. At this point, the family, Becky, Tara, and Derek, have been trying to get a hold of Libby for the half an hour. No response. Worry starts to set in. Becky and Tara decide to go to the trail to help Derek look for them. Tara drives straight to the trail while Becky makes a few phone calls before leaving. She calls her husband, which is Liberty's grandpa, Mike, who was at work in Lafayette, Indiana, and she alerts him to the situation. Mike decides to take off work and drive to the trail to help search. So that kind of gives you some perspective on how seriously this family is taking the fact that these girls are not there.
0: Right. Because <laughs> if grandpa's going to leave work to come and to come check- out. This is not normal behavior.
1: Yeah. People are freaking out. Becky calls Kelsey and alerts her to the situation. Kelsey says she'll call her work and delay her shift by a few hours. So she can come out and help search. She leaves her boyfriend's house, which was the friend that she went to go see. And she starts driving to the trail.
0: Wow. Okay. Now Tara drives up to the parking area and Derek gets into her car He explains to Tara the details of where and what he has searched on the trail so far. They briefly wait in the car for Becky and Mike to arrive so they can plan out who's going to search where and to cover more ground. Reports of seeing Derek talking to someone in an unknown car in the parking area were at one time used to cast unfounded suspicion on him in online discussions.
1: And that's the problem. I I was going to be like, which let's pause here and have a little chat about that. Yeah. (laughs) You go ahead and say what you were going to say.
0: I'm just saying that I do think that the internet sleuths can be super helpful whenever it comes to finding people and looking at little, I mean, you saw in the don't fuck with cats documentary, they found it from a freaking blanket or, you know what I mean? Like, however, you can also ruin somebody's life or Mm -hmm. put undue suspicion on them for something that's totally innocent because you're not getting the full picture.
1: Right. It is a double edged sword. 100%. and there's just so much, especially with this case. I guess there's a lot of unfounded, you know, thoughts floating around on the internet. Depending on what forums you get in, I didn't. I don't do that. I don't get into yeah, you just want the that facts. kind of stuff. Yeah, I don't get into the forums and read what Aunt Nancy at two a.m. on her computer thinks. But I just. I don't know from listening to a few podcasts about this, you know, they are withholding information. Like the police are, there are things that they're not sharing and some things have been leaked. And we'll talk about that Mm -hmm. a little bit later. Um, but on top of that, there's just a lot of speculation because it's an unsolved case. It's a small town though. Like this is a very popular case. Like the world is watching right? and that really lends itself to a bunch of bullshit
0: <laughs> sure well and, and that could definitely mess up an investigation if things that you don't want to get out because there are people out there for whatever reason they want to say that they committed this crime and completely take the spotlight away from actually working the case and trying to figure out who really did it why right. people falsely confess because they want to be in the headlines. I don't know why you would do that,
1: mm-hmm. but it's
0: stupid and you're dumb and you should not do that for sure. <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, it is, it, it is but a they double-edged use, sword because I think what you
1: were going to say with that is that they use the things that they didn't disclose to disprove that, that these people are, Yeah. But they did not commit the crime because they didn't know about X, Y, and Z. Yep. So.
0: Yes. Thank you for finishing my thought. Because it just gets me angry.
1: (laughs) Right. It makes (laughs) me angry too.
0: (laughs) It's an, an injustice. And I do feel like these online discussions and these internet sleuths are trying to do the right thing. And they're trying to be helpful.
1: And there is a lot to be said about doing these kinds of things. And even with like the Gabby Petito case, mm -hmm. they posted on whatever forum that they had seen, like a lady posted that she had seen this van or that they picked him up hitchhiking. I mean, they got a lot of information from that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. I think it was Snapchat or TikTok. I can't remember which one, but the same kind of situation that they were using here, like just sharing information. Mm -hmm. And while it's a, it's a lovely thing because like we've talked about in the past from like the 1900s when people would just say, Oh yeah, they went on vacation and really you just murdered them and nobody's going to know. I mean, the internet travels a lot faster nowadays, which is nice, but it also can, cannot be so nice. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. So anyway, as Becky is about to leave for the trail, Libby's uncle Cody arrives. So now we've got even more family members coming to help. Becky informs him of what's going on and they drive to the trail together. They theorize about which path the girls may have taken um, if they were trying to walk home, which doesn't make sense because they knew that Derek was coming to pick them up. Right.
1: The only way that would make sense is if something happened to Libby's phone.
0: So they and they didn't know them.
1: where he was going to pick them up even though that probably would have been discussed
0: and that is a good theory because i don't know my dad's number by heart Mm-mm. if i were to lose my phone i wouldn't know how to get a hold of them
1: whose phone, phone is- numbers do you have memorized any yours <laughs> <laughs> I have yours memorized too. And my mom's, cause it's been the same since I yeah. was 16, but yep. that's literally it Sa- Sarah's. I think yeah. I have Sarah's memorized. So same. you, my mom and Sarah, certainly not my husband's.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I, mm,
1: it has changed too many times. Sarah's has been the same since we were 16 Yours has been the same since we were 16. And mine has been the same since we were 16 And my mom's. So all those are on lock in this brain that stopped remembering things.
0: We are full up here.
1: (laughs) There are no more places for phone numbers to go.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, and and that is scary that you can't, you know, without your phone, that's your livelihood. You can't get a hold of the people that you need to. Right. Y'all better never change your numbers. (laughs) I know. Or else we'll never know each other's numbers again. Cause that's all the room I have in there. At this point in time, the family is thinking that the girls had somehow gotten hurt on the trail from a fall on that sketchy ass bridge. Mm. And Libby's phone had been damaged, probably falling off the side, which could have totally happened. Becky and Cody arrive at the parking area, but there's no available parking spots. So they park in a ditch nearby. So that means that it must be pretty busy if there's no parking Mm -hmm. spots. Should be noted that there were several non-family vehicles and people at the trail on this time. So it was, it was busy and not just with family there. Yeah. I mean, it's a park. That's what they're there for.
1: The family members. So Mike, Becky, Derek, Tara, Cody, and Kelsey meet up and they start searching the area for the girls Kelsey and Cody cross the modern high bridge and arrive at the Southeast end. And they can see down a Hill to the private driveway. That's over there. They spend 20 to 30 minutes yelling the girls names from that spot, but they hear no response. I would like to note that this time is it's an unknown time. It's not an exact time, but it's in between four and 5. PM. Okay. From this location, Kelsey calls Libby's phone. She believes the call went through because she can hear it ringing on her own phone speaker. So it didn't go straight to voicemail, but Kelsey does not hear it ringing in the area. This is important because this is very close to where they found the girls. Okay. Kelsey's personal belief was the trail area was quiet enough that if a phone had been nearby where she was standing, she would have heard it ringing
0: at this point in time.
1: Yes. It's possible that Libby's phone was set to silent or to vibrate. Right. As, as they walk, Becky calls the cell phone company and that's AT&T and asks if they could ping Libby's phone to try to locate it. AT&T say they cannot do that for legal reasons
0: which makes sense.
1: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Becky then asks AT&T about cell phone tracking apps, like find my iPhone and find my droid, which would allow them to track the phone because of a misunderstanding here, Becky ends up downloading the app herself. And it takes a bit for it to become clear that because the phone that Libby had with her did not have the app, that this method is not going to help.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. This is one of those like hindsight is 2020 situations where you want to have that tracking stuff turned on that would have been very useful at this point
0: right and and it's so easy to do but you don't think about it until you really need it so everybody should turn that on
1: right and share your location you have to be careful with that
0: I mean, if you're not going to stalk me, so how about I'll share my location with you?
1: Right. And you, you can share your location with specific people. You do not need to share it with everybody.
0: (laughs) Correct. Because on Snapchat, I do know that you can share your location on Snapchat and that's terrifying. It's creepy. Especially to a mom of an eight-year-old who has a cell phone, no Snapchat, but like they don't, you wouldn't unless you, you knew. don't know. Yeah. You don't know. And you don't know who's creeping on your stuff. So right. be safe out there.
1: That's right. Friends, turn it on, share with certain people
0: that are safe. Yeah. 5 PM about the time window given by law enforcement for when the offender drives his vehicle away from the parking lot ends. However, this time window should be taken as a really rough, loose estimate. The route the offender takes to get back to the vehicle is unknown. Whether the time when the offender returned to the vehicle is the same time that he drove away is unknown also. At 5.20, the family calls the police and Libby and Abby are officially reported missing. 5.25, about Becky had been unable to get a hold of Abby's mom, Anna, by phone. So she drives over to Anna's house and she's told that Anna's at work. Mike calls Becky and informs her that the police requested for them both to drive to the police station, which is just a standard part of filing a missing persons report. Becky starts driving to Anna's work. Anna calls her, having just got a chance to check her phone, and Becky fills her in and they decide to meet up at the police station.
1: What a Ugh. terrible phone call. Ugh.
0: That is hurt. That hurts my soul. I could not imagine receiving that phone call.
1: Which that also would have been awful for Becky trying to get a hold of her for that long, too. Like that's mm. an added stress to the already stressful situation.
0: Sure. Plus, you don't want to add. Undue stress to anybody whenever it might not it might just be they're goofing off down at the creek and and all of this is for nothing right. it, it's definitely oh that sucks it just sucks
1: right Sometime between 5 25 and 6 p.m the police arrive on scene and they start searching. they were quick after that 520 phone call to get on scene yeah. Some of the family members start using social media to ask for volunteers to help in the search. By 6 p.m., a massive search begins. Having heard of the missing girls through social media, concerned residents showed up and aid in the search in coordination with the Carroll County Sheriff's Department, Delphi Police Department, and Delphi Fire Department. So they got people out here. In 40 minutes. Doing the work. Yeah.
0: 40 minutes. That's amazing. That's a good community, small town and people care. Mm -hmm. That's right.
1: The fire station is used as a staging ground for volunteers together. They search the trail and surrounding area. Meanwhile, Libby's sister, Kelsey goes to the police station where they ask her about what she remembers from dropping the girls off earlier. Kelsey also shows the police, the two Snapchats posted to Libby's story. So that's helpful in that it puts them there for sure. They know that they're there.
0: Yep. Okay. Uh, So this is, oh, sorry. No, you go ahead. This is between what? 6 p.m. and 10, 29
1: p.m. Yeah, just at uh, some In between there.
0: Um, Mike returns to the house to gather all the electronics, which would be the iPad, iPods, computer, anything electronic and the relevant cell phone information so that the police then could start asking at&t to ping libby's phone at ten twenty nine, 29 indie channel article reports that the girls cell phones are either dead or turned off source for this is not given within the article so you don't know who who
1: Said gave that. this mm-hmm.
0: at 11 59 p.m about uh, a WLFI article with an original published date of February 13th, 2017, said that dozens of deputies, Delphi police officers and firefighters have been out searching the banks. Drones have also been out. Leesonby said that the Department of Natural Resources were going to search the water Monday evening. But there is no original upload time listed for the article, just a date. So it it could have been at any point so
1: 11 yeah so eleven fifty nine is when we said this was put out but it could have been, could have been before earlier. that. It's yeah just, yeah at 12 a.m the officially sanctioned search is called off by law enforcement due to darkness and a concern for volunteer safety because you know people are up on that creepy bridge
0: yeah where you could fall out oh my god
1: the search is planned to resume the next morning Carroll County Sheriff Toby Leesonby says in a news release that there's no reason to suspect foul play or to believe the girls are in immediate danger. The biggest concern is exposure to the elements because remember, this is February.
0: Right. And Indiana gets just as cold as it does here, which is like it it gets coldest in
1: February here. But I think it's a mild, I mean, based on the snow situation, it seems like this was a mild year, but still. Yeah, I mean, they only have,
0: light jackets on in the picture.
1: Yeah, so. so it must not have been that cold out, but still cold enough. Firefighters and civilians unofficially continue to search throughout the night. So there's people out there, even though it's not sanctioned. At some point, Mike drives Becky home so that she can get some sleep. Along their drive, they observe many flashlights and just people everywhere, which is so sweet. Yeah. After dropping Becky off, Mike comes back to the trail to continue searching. So they're out there all freaking night. I don't know.
0: I don't know how you could leave. Like not not faulting Becky at any at, at all. No, I just don't, I'm sure she even had to pull herself away because you just want so badly to find these girls like that. And I'm sure she didn't sleep, you know, but you just get so emotionally, I'm sure exhausted.
1: Yeah.
0: All right. Tuesday, February 14th, 2017 news stories are airing on local news channels throughout the night and early hours. 10 a.m. the command center for the search is helping organize the efforts at 12:15 p.m. Libby's sister Kelsey went on the infamous indie podcast hosted by Joe Malillo and described the two search parties in the area during the discovery so this is kind of what their um, what their conversation was it says Kelsey this is Kelsey She said, the fire department splits us up into groups and we went to different places. Some of them were in town, Delphi. Some of them were like way out in the country near the high bridge, but nowhere my sister would have went voluntarily. My group that went to the high bridge and another group that was also at high bridge on the other side of the bridge. She said, three of us chose to uh, cross the bridge to look underneath the bridge on the opposite side. And that's where I ended up hearing that we found the bodies. Ugh. Joe says, when you were there, do you remember what you saw? She asks. at high bridge. He said, right. When they found the bodies, Kelsey says, mm, okay, well, first off I was standing on the trail. That's right under the bridge, looking out into the woods and somebody yelled up that they had found a shoe And when they had found the shoe, they had asked what kind of shoe the girls were wearing. And they yelled out the type of shoe that Libby was wearing. So I yelled down and told them that. Actually, then the person that had asked that had put up their phone and saw two deer in the ground moving. And so he was looking to see what it might be. And he saw two deer standing up there. And when he saw them, he moved the camera down. And that's when he found them. Joe asked, did you ever actually go and see them up close at that point? And Kelsey says, at that point, I had not, I wanted to, I wanted to run towards them. But the girl that was with me in my group had held me down and told me that we don't know who they are yet. We don't know that it's them. We don't know what they look like. We don't know. We don't know anything that's happening right now. So you can't go to them. And so she kind of held me and made sure that I stayed there. So I wouldn't go towards it.
1: Thank goodness.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That would be an image that she would never be able to get out of her mind. Like,
1: and she, yeah,
0: but I, I, I don't know. I
1: I get wanting to go, but yeah, I'm very, I mean, I'm really glad that that person held her back. Yeah. Cause that would have been awful. In a Fox 59 article, Becky Patty recounts the discovery I apologize. I am having a really hard time reading. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what's wrong, but words are not coming out of my mouth the way they're in my brain.
0: you are used to that.
1: Becky Patty recounts (laughs) the discovery. He saw something. He could not figure out what it was. There were two deer standing up there, but as he looked up to see what that was, that is when he saw them said Libby's grandma. It was a volunteer searcher who discovered the bodies of the Delphi teens lying in the grass between a group of trees deep in the woods. He called his wife who was with us and said, we found them. My sister came up and she was crying and she said, I'm so sorry, said Buddy. The Indie Channel wrote an article describing the location as the bodies were found on private property about 50 feet from the shore of Deer Creek a set of footprints are what led volunteers to the area. The bodies were found.
0: I just couldn't, as I'm sure those people wanted to help, but they didn't assume that they would find them that way.
1: Right. I imagine people were still thinking they were going to find them.
0: Yeah. Maybe they got lost or whatever the case may be. Yes. Yes. At 2 p.m., a joint press conference is held by law enforcement with Indiana State Police P.I.O. Kim Riley, Carroll County Sheriff Toby lesenby I think I said that wrong. Lezenby?
1: I've been saying Lezenby, but who knows?
0: And Delphi Police Chief Steve Mullins. They announced that two bodies had been found, but they don't confirm the identities of the body as Abby and Libby. They said search efforts were now going to be scaled back. They sell, said that the matter is now being investigated as a crime scene and that they suspect foul play. So what what else could you assume the bodies to be? You know what I mean?
1: I think <laughs> they can't say who it is not until confirmed. they have it confirmed. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But
0: when asked by the reporter, why do you believe there's foul play? Kim R- Riley responded, just the way the bodies were found. That's about all I can say at this point in time. And when asked, were they in the water? He responded, they were on the edge of the water. From what I understand, that's about the best I can tell you.
1: So they're keeping everything pretty tight-lipped. Yeah. It just happened.
0: Yeah, literally.
1: Yeah. I mean, this is.
0: Two hours after. Two
1: hours, if that. Yeah. On Wednesday, February 15th, 2017, around 8 a.m., the autopsy. Autopsies began in Terre Haute on the bodies that were discovered during Tuesday's search. At noon, the (sighs) autopsy autopsies (laughs) autopsies (laughs) the autopsies are completed. Some other local news sources list this time as 10 a.m., but you know, somewhere around there. Local authorities convene a meeting after to discuss the findings. At 3 p.m. Indiana State Police and the Carroll County Sheriff's Department hold a news conference confirming that the bodies found Tuesday are those of Liberty and Abigail. They say the case is being investigated as a double homicide.
0: Wow. And this, so I'm assuming this picture is maybe where they were kind of found in the trees there.
1: It's around that area. Yeah.
0: And then the next picture is the, uh, a sign that gets used for, there's a pothole Traffic. in the road. And it says double homicide. I didn't know. Why would you? Why?
1: I think that that's like sanctioning off the area. Maybe close it down. Maybe it says road closed due to double homicide or something like that. But I don't know. Yeah, that's quite an announcement.
0: Because I feel like people will be like, "Oh, let me go look at that. See that, right." and they won't and then that'll just get the evidence all over the place all
1: messed up right
0: so the next section is evidence
1: yeah so now we're going to talk a little bit about what evidence there is and one of the biggest things are these sketches there were people out on that trail when this happened, and this kind of is what really blows my mind when we talk about this, because it's not like these trails are 500 miles long, right? They're all relatively short, Mm -hmm. right? They're all a couple of miles tops and there's enough people to fill a parking lot out on these trails. There are, you know, their, her dad, Liberty's dad ran into multiple people. There, mm-hmm. was, there were people about. So on April 22nd, 2019. So this is two years later, a sketch of the person who the Indiana state police believe attacked Libby and Abby was released during a press conference, detailing a, a new direction. The investigation was taking this sketch replaced an older sketch that was provided on July 17th, 2017. So just to Two reiterate. years here, after
0: the original sketch.
1: Yeah. So to reiterate, there was a sketch that came out July 17th, 2017 saying, this is a person of interest. This is the sketch of somebody we are interested in talking to. And then on April 22nd, 2019, a new sketch is released. The previous sketch was a composite sketch and was an artist's composite of the information collected by all the agencies involved in the double murder investigation, including the FBI that was said by Indiana State Police Sergeant Kim Riley. The official stated reason for this change, according to the press release, is as the investigation has progressed, information has been continuously reviewed and examined, and this sketch more accurately depicts the face of the suspect from the video recorded on Liberty German's cell phone while she and Abigail were on the high bridge. During the conference, police superintendent Doug Carter said, we have concluded the first sketch released will become secondary as of today. The result of the new information and intelligence over time leads us to believe the sketch, which you will see shortly, is the person responsible for the murders of these two little girls. These two sketches are not the same person. No, they don't look alike.
0: like 20 years too like, right? Yeah,
1: not the same. And if you look at the video still that Liberty took on her phone, I think it looks like the first sketch, the old sketch that they're saying is no longer valid, but they're saying this new sketch is who's on the video.
0: I agree with you because I looked at that, not the video, but the picture where you can kind of see somebody in the background there. and and maybe it's just our minds making up the rest of the body, but I would assume it would be more fit for that old sketch. And I just don't understand how it's not more fresh in somebody's mind two years later, even if oh, you-
1: this new sketch was done in 2017, they just didn't release oh, it. And okay. we'll talk about that in a minute too, but okay, even still,
0: I mean, that's very different. And he doesn't have a whole lot of Features the new sketch compared to the old one, like
1: yeah, the old sketch looks like a person that you could see and be like, that's somebody. Yeah, the there's new sketch no, looks like a
0: looks like somebody who very just talented
1: teenager drew it. Yes, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's too perfect to be a real person. a person's
1: face. Yeah, it's it's weird.
0: Wowie, wow. Multi-agency task force clarifies points about the Delphi murder suspect sketches. So in Delphi, Indiana, in the early days and months of the murder, information was developed about the suspect's description. It was initially believed the sketch had been in public view over the last two years of a person in the age range of the forties to fifties, which was who they were kind of leaning towards. Now, as the investigation matured and past information has been reassessed, it's believed that the person depicted in the sketch released on April 22nd, 2019, more accurately represents the person wanted for the murders of Abigail and Liberty. And like I said, yeah, there's a big age difference there.
1: Mm -hmm. Some important information about the two sketches is that they are not the same person. The person depicted in the originally released sketch is not presently a person of interest in the investigation. The sketch released on April 22nd, 2019 is representative of the face of the person captured in the video on Liberty German cell phone as he was walking on the high bridge. Mm -hmm. The person in the sketch released in 2019 is described as having a youthful appearance, but could fall in the age range from his 20s to late 30s. This person's appearance could look differently today if they had grown a mustache, beard, or let their hair grow long, or cut their hair shorter than depicted in the sketch. Members of the Delphi community should reflect back on people they know in the community that look similar to the sketch released in 2019, especially if that person has changed their appearance since the murders occurred in February of 2017.
0: So... Nothing. Right. I mean, it's, it's, it's weird. two years.
1: People it's change weird. their appearance
0: all the time. I don't know. That is weird. I don't like it. I don't like it.
1: Mm-mm.
0: The new sketch was actually created earlier than the old sketch. So they did the new sketch actually first. And then they're like, right. that's not it. Because it's <laughs> terrible. It's that's lo- not
1: why they <laughs> did that,
0: ma'am. I know, but I'm just <laughs> saying that could be why I would think so. Because <laughs> it doesn't look like anybody. Um, and this was according to the Indie Star article. And it, they write Master Trooper Taylor Bryant, a sketch artist with Indiana. Who, State-
1: who Allison has drugged through the mud at this point?
0: Sorry, <laughs> Taylor, but your shit's whack. <laughs> He, he drew this new sketch and told Indie Star a sketch is based on how a particular witness describes the suspect. If there are several witnesses, Brian would draw a sketch for each description. Brian did not draw a sketch that police released in July 2017 because they're like, Ooh. obviously <laughs> the witness <laughs> is the main focus. So there's no input from law enforcement at all in generating the sketch other than. The presence as the artist. So he's just putting the pen to paper, whatever they're telling him, that's what he's putting down. He uses a facial identification reference sheet that has a list of different categories like the head shape, the eyebrows, noses, and the person will describe the suspect based on those categories. It's easier to do than to describe. Um, the suspect using just words i could see that where you could just be like it kind of looked like this it's a little roundy you know nose or whatever
1: so if you remember the the originally released sketch was drawn off of the police force and the fbi and they thought this guy up in
0: their mind
1: i guess and now this new sketch was based off of witnesses using this sheet that sounds like it would be pretty nice to have if you're having to if you're having to describe somebody that you passed on a trail that would make things a lot easier
0: okay then we went to high school with this dude he looks like people we went to high school with i don't know he
1: looks like he could be anyone i know
0: this old sketch looks like flannel guy
1: (laughs) this old sketch looks like the guy in the freaking video Who's but they're saying it's guy. not it's not flannel guy don't do that to that poor man you I'm not speech. I just talked about speech. internet sleuths. <laughs> <laughs> and here she goes here I go
0: no I'm it's just not saying him.
1: if you look at the two sketches they're saying the the new sketch is the guy in the video and the old sketch is not I'm not seeing that homies they're high I'm not man. seeing it yeah I'm not
0: seeing it either not i don't know aren't they detectives <laughs> no i feel like it's pretty uh easy to see right <laughs> these sketches are not exact bryant says obvious. you don't
1: say <laughs>
0: <laughs> the rendering are a ballpark estimation of what that person looks like the new sketch was drawn by bryant on february 17 2017 which was a few days after the victim's bodies were found. The picture was based on the description of a person who saw something that the person felt needed to be reported. So this is just one person that was just like, hey, Justin Timberlake was on this trail and he murdered him. I mean, doesn't it look like Justin Timberlake?
1: Like if you were a middle school little girl and you were drawing Justin Timberlake. yes.
0: I mean mine wouldn't be that good, but <laughs> come on, yeah. Brian. What are you doing?
1: Well, this is the sketch they're working off of now. This is who they say did, did this, and this is who they're looking for. Why switch focus to another person? Knowing that the sketches of are, are of are of two different people. Brings up the question, why did the investigation switch focus from their first suspect to another? Libby's sister Kelsey responded on Twitter to questions related to the new sketch, saying, A recent development is what I understand. Yeah, they had created several sketches at the time that believe the other one was more credible. There was yeah. a reason for it. Thankful we have it now. The podcast, Best Case, Worst Case. Claims to have heard from their sources that the man in the July 17th sketch was arrested and cleared, hence the change of suspects.
0: Ah.
1: The podcast is hosted by Jim Clementi, who worked for the FBI for 22 years, in part as a supervisory special agent in the behavioral analyst unit. And Francie Hakes, a former federal prosecutor and the country's first national coordinator for child exploitation prevention and interdiction, a post appointed by the U.S. Attorney General. So these are like some pretty, pretty high, high up, high ranking folks. Yeah. yeah. So I think they could probably be trusted as a source. Um, but yeah, how is that not they, a
0: conflict of interest? I guess they're I retired. Know.
1: Yeah, they're both retired. So they no longer do either of those jobs, but hmm. right. That's what, that's, what's going on. So apparently they talked to this first guy, let them go. And now have moved on to the second. The I'm second sorry, one. man. And I- I'll do this part because the notes are kind of a doodle here, but the official descriptions accompanying the release of the new sketch. So when they release a new sketch like that, they have to have things that come along with it. On April 22nd, 2019, um, the new face of Delphi, Indiana state police bulletin said today, a new sketch of the suspect appearing to be in his mid twenties to mid thirties. So younger than they had initially suspected the press conference held on that same day, um, somebody was quoted as saying, we also believe that this person is from Delphi currently or has previously lived here, visits Delphi at a regular basis or works here. We believe this person is currently between the age range of 18 and 40, but might appear younger than his true age. Yeah. So like really zero to hundred there.
0: This guy right. looks like he shops at Home Depot quite frequently. He's not. It's not just in Timberlake, I'm telling you.
1: Mm-mm.
0: I don't know much about stuff, but I know this is to be true.
1: <laughs> That's all I'm going much, to
0: say about that.
1: <laughs> but I know this
0: GPS data. Mike Patty reveals that he went back to the house to retrieve phone information and brought it to the police so they could start pinging Libby's phone. This would have had to have been sometime after they were officially reported missing on February 13th, 2017 at 5.20 p.m. An article is published by WLFI, which interviews Mike Patty, who says that the cell phone had been pinging around town. And here there is a cell phone tower, but the ping was last noted about five or six hours ago. And they said the phone is now dead. I saw the text where they got delivered, but they never got read. It is probable the pinging around town was a miscommunication around cell phone triangulation or cell phone tower malfunction. Would that, that be stuff a bit?
1: is like relatively unreliable as yeah. far as evidence goes. The cell right. tower pinging stuff, but. It wouldn't. I
0: don't think at that point it really would have helped them anyway at that no, point
1: not at that point in time it I think they were really already
0: like passed away gone. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Mike Patia said that on February 13th he went back to the house and collected the iPods iPads computers or anything electronic gadgetry that I could come across to take back in to law enforcement it is likely that all social media correspondence with the girls has been analyzed by the multi-agency tax task force so they looked that's into important everything. a little bit later but yes they had access to those things they've investigated that stuff
0: In, including this video right so right on february 13th 2016 libby took a video 2017
1: with, what did i say 2016
0: just gotta keep you on your toes
1: i'm reading <laughs>
0: 2017, Libby took a video with audio that captured a man on the Monon High Bridge approaching them. The Monon Railroad was built through Carroll County from 1879 to 1881. And the first train went over the high bridge in January of 1881. So, yeah, whenever we said that it was sketchy as hell, that's why. Because it was built in 1879. (laughs) Stay off the bridge. This route went from Chicago to Indianapolis and was called the airline route. The high bridge over deer Creek is the second highest in the state at 63 feet and is 853 feet long.
1: So just 63 again, feet friends, friends that can't see the pictures right now, that shit is high and it is long and it is not safe looking
0: high as hell
1: high as Hill. It's crazy. So modern day, modern high bridge, CSX transportation ceased its use of the railroad in 1987. At the time of the homicides, the bridge was still owned by CSX, but was unofficially used by the community as a public trail. So that's what I was saying. It's like our metro parks, but it's not like our metro parks. The city is not maintaining this. It is just the community is using it. Since the homicides, Indiana Landmarks has taken ownership of the land, and after planned restoration has completed, it will officially be added to the Delphi Historic Trails. The Monon High Bridge Trail is 1.44 mile long. So wow. man, those trails are not that long. What?
0: Oh, so not this bridge. This bridge no, is only no. 853, 853 feet. feet. Okay, I was about to but say, the holy trail- shit.
1: Right. No, this is just the trail. So there was that freedom (laughs) on the bridge. Yeah. I would not sit on that.
0: (laughs) No, I would never go on that bridge. I'm too scared.
1: Yeah. No, thank you. Um, but like I said, these trails are all, I think this is the longest trail off of this three trails. So the other ones were even shorter. So it's really, as far as trails go, not very long. The bridge was a very common backdrop for photo shoots, like senior pictures and wedding photos. It was a place where young people hung out and Libby herself had been there a lot of times. Mike Patty is quoted as saying, why did we let them go out there? Well, that's because that's where all the kids were. There were kids there before them. There were kids there during, there were kids there after. So it was just a common hangout place
0: we were in the woods all the time whenever we were kids and we probably shouldn't have been out there by ourselves. I mean,
1: I know you just do
0: that shit when you're kids and it's nothing. It's not the parents fault. It's nothing that they could do. And I could see why this, I mean, it is, it's terrifying, but it's also beautiful. Mm -hmm. And as a kid, 15, you know, 14, 13 being up that high is probably kind of an adrenaline rush.
1: Yeah. And
0: while it's, super unsafe from what i can see <laughs> it's probably you know like a oh well nobody's ever fallen off this bridge so it's fine and you feel some sort of safety plus whenever you're young like that you just you're going to live forever yeah
1: right there is no concern here i think that what you just said is part of why this story really like hits home for me because where i grew up there were a lot of woods I grew up right next to a park and Allie would come over all the time, you know, Mm -hmm. and we would be out in those woods all day. And I was out in those woods all day, all the time. And I did have a couple of scary run-ins. I don't think I was with you, but I remember being young teen, like maybe 12, 13 and some older guys that had to be like 18 started chasing me. And I remember who I was with now. It was Aaron. We were out walking and they were ahead of us. And it was on the street part where the Mm -hmm. road was running through the park and they turned around and noticed us and turned around and started walking towards us. And we turned around and started walking away from them and they started running and we started running and we got away from them because we were far enough away, but like who, why?
0: Right. Why would you do that? What
1: were they doing? Yeah. Like what what would have happened? if they would have caught us so like that happened and you know just being out in the woods all the time alone well, we would get
0: lost out there all the time
1: and right.
0: we would stumble upon like um homeless homeless people
1: shelters yeah and- like yeah. Their shit
0: so I, but that was just it's I don't know and it's I just write- a part of growing up
1: Right. And I remember in fourth grade, one of my friends that went to a different elementary school, we ended up going to high school with her, but we weren't friends anymore at that point. But I was really good friends with her in elementary school and she would come over and we would go out in the woods and there was a registered sex offender that tried to snatch up a little kid in my neighborhood right across the street. The person across the street from us was out washing his car and saw it happening and chased the guy off. Oh my. And she wasn't allowed over to my house anymore.
0: Because that happened in mm-hmm. your neighborhood.
1: It happened while we were there. Like we were wow. both at my house. I think we were probably in the woods. Yeah. When it happened, and she was not allowed over to my house anymore. Yeah. And And then we were not friends anymore because that's what happens when you don't go to the same school and you're in fourth grade. Yeah. But yeah, it, I don't know, like it happens in our own backyards. (laughs) Yeah.
0: The disposal location. Okay. The exact body disposal location has never been released by law enforcement, Whether the homicide location and the body disposal location are the same, we don't know. We don't know that. Mm -hmm. All that is known publicly is that the initial site of the encounter, the southeast end of the bridge, is not the same location as the body disposal site. Law enforcement has said that the disposal site was 0.5 miles from the end of the bridge and across the Deer Creek. It is possible to get a rough estimate of where the bodies were based off of a placement of crime scene tape in the woods. If you assume that the path they took between the initial encounter site and the disposal site is relatively direct from the offender um, would have directed them off the trail and down the little hill to the north which is what they believe that whenever the he says guys and down the hill, that that's what he's referring to at the bottom of the hill, they would have had to cross a private driveway and then moving for, further north. They would have reached deer Creek. This section was relatively sh- shallow and during certain seasons, it acts kind of like a sandbar estimations of the depth range from ankle deep to knee deep, knee, knee deep which we said earlier, It's on the other side of Deer Creek that the bodies are found. The bodies were found on private property, about 50 feet from the shore of Deer Creek. Sources tell call six investigates that a set of footprints are what led the investigators to the body or the volunteers to the body. But then it's also said that the deer, they saw deer.
1: mm -hmm. But they were over there in that area because of the footprints and then saw the deer and then saw the girls. Yeah. The reason why this is kind of, I mean, interesting, not really interesting, something to think about is that the homicide location and where their bodies ended up was probably relatively close to the same place. It's a half a mile off the trail, you know, from the audio that they, the girls were told to go somewhere Mm -hmm. a half a mile is a really long way. Liberty for- was close to 200 pounds. I think. Yeah. Abby was smaller, but for a grown man, even to move two girls bodies in, and one of them being the same size as an adult, basically mm-hmm. would have been very difficult across a Creek. You know what I mean? Like Indeed. probably not
0: and the amount of time between when they kind of went missing to when they were found is not that long
1: for when this... there were people out there. It was yeah. only two hours yeah. between, yeah, when they went missing and when people started looking and there were people on the trail.
0: So he didn't have a whole lot of time to be setting anything up or moving people around. around. Yeah.
1: Right. As far as physical evidence goes, a complication of the investigation is that because the trail area was being used as if it was a public space, the evidence collected could easily be unrelated to the case. It could be wrong to assume that all of the items collected end up actually being related to the case. Even on this private property that was a quarter mile away, I mean any anybody could have been out there right Mm -hmm. they did find cigarette butts possible footprints clothing and have confirmed that they found dna evidence but it hasn't been concluded that it belongs to the murder and it can't be until they find somebody to pin this on anyways um but also i don't think it's even been said how viable or how good the dna evidence is
0: I would assume that they would run all that DNA evidence through their system. Right. And then if anything pops back, that would give them an indicator.
1: So, yeah, but you know, that, that process is forever and backlogged and in different States, it could take 5 billion years and their database isn't all encompassing. There's just so many issues and you would think, I that know. the science the science is there why can't we get freaking bureaucratical bullshit together to get a handle on that stuff
0: yeah could you imagine being a like murderer and just and
1: knowing it's knowing, out knowing
0: yeah and just waiting for the day that they connect the dots i would have a heart attack
1: i don't have the anxiety like Control, yeah,
0: (laughs) for that I would not be able to continue. I
1: would turn myself in. (laughs) I just want to (laughs) rest, right? (laughs)
0: Ah. So the autopsy that they did revealed. I'm sorry, the autopsies are completely sealed, and as this is an investigation that's still active, law enforcement has made it clear in interviews they do not want to publicly disclose the details. Details of this manner are usually withheld to filter out the false confessions that we talked about to ensure a guilty verdict in a future criminal trial. And then witnesses, law enforcement has never spoken publicly in reference to specific named witnesses or sightings. They have vaguely confirmed that there were multiple witnesses when describing the process of creating the composite sketch. News sources have also never directly referenced witness sightings of the offender, Knowledge of the witness sightings is mainly given by the family of the deceased and then through the social media rumors.
1: Right. So there's a vehicle. I don't know why this This vehicle is connected because where it's at is close but not that close and seems weird but they are seeking the public's help to identify the driver of a vehicle that was parked at the old CPS-DCS Welfare Building in the city of Delphi that was abandoned on the east side of Country Road 300 North next to the Hoosier Heartland Highway between the hours of noon to 5 p.m. on February 13, 2017. So the times line up.
0: Yeah, but that's it.
1: And they're saying, if you were parked there or know who was parked there, please contact the officer at the command post at the Delphi City Building. So really, I think they're trying to rule this out or rule this in. They don't know that this was involved, but it is suspicious. Now, we're going to talk about unofficial suspects in this, and we're not going to get that into it because there is so much unfounded, random information and, and really, I would like to say any of the conversations that you and I have from here on out are basically speculation because I have a couple things to say, but again, none of it is really super concrete.
0: None police, of anything we say is concrete.
1: That's true. But I just feel real <laughs> sketchy saying stuff when this is an active investigation. Yeah. I don't know. But there were... Several suspects that have emerged over the last five years. There's been a lot of tips, a lot of things that have come in, and this guy is not okay. So, whether he had anything to do with this or not, I don't feel bad talking about him because he is a POS and is disgusting. In August of 2020, 27 year old Keegan Klein of Peru. Indiana, not <laughs> Peru, Peru. Yeah. Was arrested on 30 counts of child solicitation, child ex- exploitation, and possession of child pornography. Wow. But to Libby, Klein may have been known by another name, his online persona, Anthony Schatz. A social media account that used fake pictures of a male model to solicit nude photos of teenage girls between 2016 and 2017. Klein admitted to police the Anthony Schatz account was used to talk to underage girls. He told police he'd find girls, both people he knew and didn't know, on Instagram and ask them to message him on Snapchat or on other apps.
0: So, wait a second. Yes. <laughs> so the left is what he showed yes. the kids that he was, and the right is who he really is. Correct. Holy sheet! We're Cab even max right now, catfish. <laughs> wow.
1: Yeah. Okay. Okay. Sorry. And he's he's old. <laughs> he's an. I mean, he's not old, but he's, he's old. our age. He's twenty seven. But he's oh, so talking he's old to 13 year old <laughs>
0: Oh, okay. Okay. Yes, he is old. I thought you meant just like in the world he's old. Yes. Oh, in the world? No.
1: 27, you're a baby.
0: <laughs> yeah. But you're not a baby that can look at child pornography, dude. That's gross. And you deserve everything you get. Could you imagine, exactly. though, kind of like I said before, being him, knowing that he talked to Libby and that now she's passed and he's going to be a suspect? Yeah, and then knowing that he's got all this sh- other shit that he didn't murder anybody, but
1: yeah, like but he might get,
0: have. I don't know, man. I don't think so. He doesn't. His he body doesn't type, look like that. The he's not going is. on hikes, and he I don't can look say like that he'd be
1: on the trails because I'm heavy too.
0: <laughs> you wouldn't find me there either. But yeah, I mean, he looks nothing like that guy though. In the the um
1: sketch no yeah or the video or any of it no
0: but he's still a piece of shit i agree Mm
1: -hmm.
0: past reports revealed that klein was questioned by police after a search of his home in peru again in indiana 12 days after abby and libby were murdered transcripts were provided to fox 59 in march 2022 by the murder sheet podcast In the newly obtained transcripts that were briefly posted on Miami County court websites, Klein is interrogated by a state trooper and a sheriff's deputy on August 18th, 2020.
1: This is one of those things that was like leaked.
0: That wasn't supposed to be known. I think so. I feel like though this kind of shit needs to be posted, though, like his face. So children know both of them.
1: Oh, well, his face is posted and he was arrested for child pornography and all of that stuff. But the interrogation between the state trooper and the sheriff and him, I don't think was like publicly should not have been publicly released as far as I understand it, but it's out there and you can read it. And I was going to include it, but then I started feeling a little sketchy about it. So I didn't. Yeah. According to a search warrant obtained by. The Murder She Podcast and provided to Fox 59 in Indianapolis, FBI wrote in March 2017 that the agency had probable cause to search the home of Ron Logan, which is the man who owned the property where the two girls were found murdered, 1,400 ah. feet from his home,
0: in the private drive.
1: A search was done, but no arrests were made, and. Ron was not even an official person of interest in the investigation. So I didn't include the investigation or interrogation of this Klein guy, not a lot of information about Ron Logan, but it's speculated by other people that are more invested in this case and have put more time in the Murder Sheet podcast, those people, that they were thinking. Ron Logan may have been somehow connected to Klein and Klein's wow. father, and that there may have been some sort of like child, like a ring or grown person. Yeah. Like um, what why is my like brain a sex really? ring? Yeah.
0: Like a sex my, sleeve.
1: Yes. Thank okay. you. My brain yeah. is completely failing me at this point. I
0: got you, boo-boo. But
1: but they didn't find anything, as far as we know, at Ron Logan's that led anywhere right i think they were looking for computer stuff but didn't
0: connect them out
1: right they didn't come out with anything so that's where we leave this at the point of suspects there's not anything really concrete here that sucks
0: At, at least though we got klein dirty bird off the street
1: right Hopefully for a long while. That, I hope so. Ugh.
0: Now we're gonna talk about the girls themselves.
1: Before we do, something that I didn't put in here is that he was talking to Libby the the night before they disappeared.
0: Klein. Mm-hmm.
1: Or someone on that Snapchat account was talking to her the night so before. They- he now, said multiple people had access to that Snapchat account.
0: And did they have their location turned on? I don't know. I would assume not, right? Because if they did, then they would have been able to find them via
1: Snapchat, Snapchat
0: when location, they, maybe, I don't know.
1: When did they even start doing that Snapchat location thing? Because I don't think that's been around forever. I don't I
0: don't know the answer to that and that might be true too maybe it's not even a thing however if it was on that would give more you know cause to Klein if he could see where she was located right but then you would think on the other hand that would also help her parents
1: he could her family find located though because she posted those snapchats to her story on the bridge but he was already there
0: yeah and I mean, yeah. I mean, I guess your yeah, your location doesn't need to be on whenever everybody in town knows what bridge you're on because they all know that bridge.
1: Right. Too. But again, they posted that at like 207 and were something happened that happened to them between that point and like three. Yeah. So I don't think anybody could get there that fast that, based on those Snapchats, but that's
0: true. So now we're going to talk, like I said, about the girls themselves, so we can get a little bit more information and maybe shine their light a little brighter. Um, Liberty was born on December 27th, 2002 in Lafayette, Indiana to Derek German and Carrie Hillenburg. Um, she German Timmons is her full mm-hmm. name. That's a long one. Got
1: a lot of names.
0: She was an eighth grade student at Delphi Community High School. Middle school. school. (laughs) Libby enjoyed playing volleyball, softball, soccer, and swimming. She was a very active little girl. She liked to play alto saxophone in the school band and excelled in academics and prepping for the academic bowl and the high ability class at her middle school. So she was a smarty pants too.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, Liberty was in the primary care of her paternal grandparents, Mike and Becky, who helped with trying to find her she had four siblings Kelsey who we talked about and Glenna Myers both of Delphi and Alexis Timmons and Hayden Timmons both of Hardsburg Kentucky so two of them lived there and two of them did not Libby would use sticky notes to leave messages of encouragement for others oh this is sad. Yeah, I know. Becky said that she left me a note one day and my sun visor says, I love you. Thank you for all you do for me and Kelsey. And she wrote a sticky note for her sixth grade band teacher saying band is awesome. Oh, here we go. Mike said she called me one day and I had given her some money for some item at a school or a function, probably a $10 bill. She called me up and said, grandpa, with the change, can I give it to somebody else? There's somebody who needs something. So that's the way she worked. It's the way she operated. So she was smart, athletic, cutie patootie, good person, heart, like in terrible. All
1: of the good things. Yes. Abigail Williams. She was born June 23rd, 2003 in Salt St. Marie, Michigan to her mother, Anna M. Williams. Abby was an eighth grader at Delphi Community Middle School where she played alto saxophone in the school band, just like Libby, and was on the volleyball team. She enjoyed crafting and art such as photography and painting, Abby was excited to join the same softball team as Libby for the first time that coming summer. No, there are memories behind every photo we've seen. The most used photo of Abby shows her donning a polka dot hat and her mom remembers that was actually at my cousin's bridal shower and their theme was the Kentucky Derby. We made those hats. She helped me make that hat. We picked it out. Abby loved all animals. When Abby found a stray cat, she had to convince her mom, who was allergic, into letting her keep it. Once Abby finally won her over, she named the cat Bongo. Mm. Picture of the cat. Abby loved to camp and swim and being outdoors in general. She liked riding ATVs with her family on camping trips to Michigan. That's the other thing. These girls just remind me of like me and you. When we were younger, they're like best friends, just such little lights, like such little wonderful souls out there that had so much growing to do. And
0: I don't know, just so innocent. Yeah. And they weren't given a fair shake. Like it's, ugh, you're getting teary eyed. It's so sad. It's so sad. The families. Of the victims, the families of Abby and Libby in particular, Mike, Becky, Anna and Kelsey have been very active media campaigning to keep the spotlight on this case. It's not very old. Um, And I'm sure that a lot of people listening has heard of it on another podcast through, you know, whatever this is, like you said, has national coverage. They've appeared on the Dr. Phil show rtv six segments at crime con with ashley bainfield and nancy grace and spoken to various podcasts so they want to keep this in the forefront of everybody's mind nine months ago you had just eaten pancakes and was out there helping me in the office i'm so sorry i ever said yes to let you go to the trails that day i let you down that's something I will carry forever. I'm so sorry. Kelsey is going through this. It kills me seeing her in pain. That was from Becky, Patty Libby's grandmother. Wow. Okay. I'm crying now.
1: <laughs> me too.
0: <laughs> like how bad. And she, she nobody's didn't do anything fault. wrong.
1: Nobody's no. fault. But
0: that's a guilt that she will live with. No matter what anybody tells her. It's,
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's terrible.
1: Kelsey was quoted as saying for weeks, I tore myself down contemplating how I should have been with her. I told myself I could have saved them. I may not have made it, but at least my sister might be here. I wouldn't be hurting. I was in denial for a long time. I kept telling myself that it wasn't real and that Libby would be walking through my bedroom door at any minute to tell me about her day. I can't <laughs> wow. like, even fathom how hard that would be and again nobody's fault
0: no just the person that committed this this crazy
1: terrible stupid
0: crime yeah I mean why and we'll never know and that's the hard part is that and I hope we do I hope they can but you know as time goes on it's harder and harder Mm mm-hmm but I am championing for these families to continue. Cause I'm sure like that would have to be your sole focus is to bring whoever did this to justice for your family. Yeah. Anna Williams, Abby's mother said every day, my goal is to get up, get dressed and go to work and just keep moving. She was my one and only. There's a lot of things that we aren't going to have anymore. There isn't going to be a prom. There aren't going to be weddings, college, those things
1: that you just think you're going to have. No. Oh. Mm. This is from Abby's grandfather, and he said she called early in the week and said, Grandpa um, all signed up for the girls softball. I'd like you to come down and take me shopping for a glove and a bat and shoes. We got back to the hotel and we played catch out in the parking lot with her new glove. Then we went to the park and I got to pitch to her, hit some flies, the whole grandpa thing. That's how we left it. She was so excited to be on a team with Libby. I always talk about her as being my granddaughter and kind of my best friend. We done everything together. And that was Cliff Williams, Abby's grandfather. Terrible. (laughs) Yeah. And it's so hard hearing and seeing the quotes. It really makes you think about how these were real, real people, real little girls with these relationships with their family. And it's just so unresolved. And just out there still.
0: But. If anybody listening to this. Has a tip that they want to submit to investigators. You can do that. And you're encouraged to do that. Sending it to this email. Which is Abby and Libby. Tip at C-A-C-O-S-H-R-F dot And we'll put that up. Um, mm-hmm. um, on Instagram. Email is the preferred way to send tips to help solve the crime. And information sent by email is kept confidential and is only shared with investigators. So, if you or somebody you know, anybody, anything that could help, uh, I'm sure that they would believe there's nothing too small um, to send them an email and and see where it leads. So,
1: yeah.
0: Oh, we don't do episodes about kids.
1: I know it's should be a rule.
0: it is a rule and we broke it and it's on the other hand though we have to think about the good thing that we're just helping them to get Get more information yeah and hopefully somebody somewhere saw something and they will bring this guy to justice
1: yeah so i'll cite my sources and we will end the sad one Um, The main source I used was a website called actusreus.com, and I'm going to read that out because I don't know if I said that right. It's A-C-T-U-S-R-E-U-S.com, and I was very impressed with this website. They gathered up a lot of the available evidence, in this case, things that were actually confirmed, laid everything out, the timeline, all of that stuff was taken from there. And they don't only have this case, they have other cases where they've done the same thing. And it's a goal of theirs to help these kind of cases become resolved at some point, making the information easily and readily available. I also used fox59.com, wdrb.com. And I've listened to down the hill podcast and the murder sheet podcast that have covered this story. So included those on there as well.
0: Oh, awesome. Well, we hope that you listened to this episode because I'm sure you didn't enjoy it. We didn't really enjoy talking about it. We don't talk about kids because we can't handle it. Nope. Nope and we did it and we can't handle it there so a lot of jokes in this one no nope just Justin nope. Timberlake Yeah. should get a lawyer
1: <laughs> all we got
0: <laughs> all right well that was episode 108 on the Delphi murders and we hope you all have a good week and we'll see you next time bye bye